Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, very pleasant good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Beautiful sunny morning here in Dripping Springs, Texas, wherever you are. Hope you're having a good one. Have a little cup of tea or a cup of joe. <gasps> do you do joe? Don't tell anybody. Uh, uh, if you'd like to be on the show this morning, triple eight. 663-6386, email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. In a couple of hours, we're going to visit with a, um, with a cardiac surgeon, heart surgeon. He's got a great book called Stay Off My Operating Table, and he's going to tell you why. What a great title, right? He's going to tell you why he thinks these little arteries get clogged up and the little heart doesn't work right, and he's a pretty cool guy, so he'll be here in a couple of hours. First up this morning is a young lady who's been with us before, and it's Kulreet Chandri. Is that right, Chandri? Pretty close. She's an MD and uh, Ayurvedic doctor. Uh, uh, Great stuff. She works with sound and weight loss and uh, the gut, and we have, you know, we'll have some fun stuff to talk about and see see what's going on in her life. Is it Chandri? Is that good? Is that close enough? Chaudhry. 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 That's that's actually <laughs> Indian, huh? Chaudhry? Yes. Were you born there? I was born in India. Yeah, I came over when I was four years old. And, you know, it's amazing because the place that you're born, you have um, olfactory memories. And so as soon as I go back to India and I can, there's certain smells, like the smell of the moist earth, that immediately bring me back into my childhood. Is that right? Really, this is smell. Mm-hmm. And your parents, what, what were they doing when you moved here? What did mom and dad, what, where are they? Yeah, so when my parents moved here, my mom is a physical therapist, my father's an engineer, and so they, you know, they they brought us here looking for kind of a different life, but really it's just kind of destiny calling, right? It right. pulls you to different parts of the world. And you told me off the air here that you're going to India in this summer. Tell us yes. why. It's a pretty exciting uh, project. It is right. exciting. You know, I, I worked in India for a few years and we were working on resurrecting these ancient Siddha medicine records. And Siddha medicine is very close to Ayurveda, but it's even older than Siddha. Ayurveda. That's S-I-D-D-H-A? S-I-D-D-H-A, yeah. Oh, okay. And um, so I go back in the summers to continue to work on that project. And I just realized that you know, because we make these small batch herbs that haven't been made for thousands of years. It's the most spectacular experience. And I realized that people need to come and experience this and to get treatments like Panchakarma, which is a Mm. detoxification therapy. So I decided to kind of start to bring people and I guess it's kind of like an integrative medical tourism (laughs) project. But going into the ancient worlds, but with all the comforts of, you know, modern life. So that's what we do now in the summer is we bring people for an immersion, a healing immersion using these ancient techniques. Wow. And it really does go back thousands of years. I mean, you're not just making that number up, right? It's a long time. The the herb that we made this summer hasn't been made for 3,000 years. And the reason is many of these records have been lost. 3,000 years. 3,000 years, and they're in a, a dialect that no longer exists. So it's it's this whole process of finding people that can even translate it, and then finding the particular ingredients, some of which are extraordinarily rare. 
Um, so to be present, you know, at, at such kind of a historical mm. experience is, is pretty amazing as both as a physician, but also as, you know, as just a human being to be a part of remaking history, so to speak. So I have a, a good friend of mine who's an Ayurvedic doc, and he's over there right now. And he told me one time that the pharmacopoeia like of uh, Ayurveda is like 20 times or 50 times more than what it is here. I mean, there's just thousands, oh, yeah. thousands of herbs. Yeah. Well, and those are only the ones that we have current records of. Um, you know, like in India, we have truckloads of these ancient records on palm leaves. I mean, they're these fragile little palm leaves. And that's just what's been, you know, stored. I mean, there's so much that was lost. So when we talk about thousands and thousands and thousands of these herbal regimens, that's just what we what we still have access to. There are so many that we unfortunately no longer have access to. Hmm. And I, I get a few herbs from uh, through him, through a company in India, and there might be 50 ingredients on one little yes. thing which looks like smaller than an aspirin. What's up yeah. with that? How do they figure that out? <laughs> they, you know, I mean, when you're doing something for thousands of years, you you're kind of, you're, yeah, you're bound to get it right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's literally thousands and thousands of years of experience. And when you think of like how many of our allopathic medications have to be pulled or we have all of these warnings, um, you know, we've only had like maximum like a few hundred years of experience with these and so wow. when you compare that to you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years of really refining it you've got you've got a different level of sophistication and i've been told that there's actually uh, hospitals in india that mm -hmm. use these herbs these medicines and that's all they do and they, yes, they just help people heal. Talk about that. That's crazy. Those <laughs> are for really, really chronic conditions or acute conditions. Um, and people come in with conditions that are absolutely untreatable from a Western perspective. So, um, you know, things like end-stage liver disease or chronic renal failure, things that we're really looking at like dialysis or mm -hmm. transplant surgery, but we can no longer revive the organ and so they come in for these treatments um and you know sometimes it's for shorter periods like one or two weeks sometimes it's for longer periods like a month or so and then they're started on an outpatient program also but you know you just you see absolutely phenomenal things and things that conditions that are reversed that we have no we have no basis for even understanding how we would revive, you know, that organ. Wow. So, and that's what initially really drew me into Ayurvedic medicine sure. was that here were these conditions as a neurologist that I couldn't treat. And yet my patients were getting better from doing these treatments. And, and a big part of that, you know, a, a core part of that is understanding the connection like between the mind and the gut, just these mm. fundamental principles that, we don't we don't know about yeah so let's talk about that and we really enjoy digging into the whole soul mind body connection it's pretty mm -hmm. pretty connected right it is connected yeah. right? there's just no <laughs> doubt about it, it it's not there's, even it's there's not no even, division yeah it's not yeah that's that's an interesting idea um i'll let you talk about it but you know people say the mind body connection but there's no separation that's exactly that's the cool thing isn't it? talk about that 
Yeah. So it's it's when we say that we're using, you know, what I refer to as like false vocabulary. Right. And it's because we have our attention on one area. And so because we have our attention on one area, we think that, oh, these two areas exist. But there's really not even two areas. It's a little bit like saying the hair-scalp connection. Right. <laughs> right? It's just one, one thing. Huh? No, it's just one thing. You know, your hair and your scalp are one thing. And you can, of course, say that about the entire, you know, mind, body, and spirit connection or soul connection. But then within the body, there are certain areas that are really, really tightly connected, like functional units. And that's where the brain and gut comes in. Is there really one functional unit? And so if you are looking for mm. brain health or to improve a mood disorder, um, you know, or if you are looking to improve your gut, you always have to address the opposite system, you know, so you always address the mind when you're addressing the gut and you always address the gut when you're addressing the mind. And what I love, though, Patrick, is that modern research is starting to see that they're starting to see how the gut microbiome is impacting brain health. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, Ayurvedic medicine has been going so deeply into this for thousands of years, and it's quite an eloquent system. So it works backwards as well. If you yes. if you get the right foods and get the right micro goobies going on, micro goobies, uh, yes, and, and it works then. <laughs> it works then into the brain, which then the mind is connected, and the brain are one, right? The mind and brain are. Yeah, one. one of the things that I see people struggle the most, which is such an unnecessary struggle, is and, and this is the low lying fruit, Patrick. You know, this is like the, the easy stuff is that if you are having issues with the mind, go to the gut first. Because, you know, it's it's not that the gut will change everything about the mind. There's still things that we have to do to support the mind. But this is the easy part of the game is by shifting, you know, the gut microbiome and gut health. That's the easiest way really? to change the way that you think. Oh, Absolutely. Let's do that. I need to change it. I'm crazy. So, I, you know, I'm into that. So when you talk <laughs> about the gut, are you speaking in terms of stomach, small intestine, colon? That, that package or? The whole thing. So the liver, the pancreas, all of that, you know, functions as one. All of the signals as soon as you eat something, even before you eat something, all of those signals are going to that entire unit because it's got to coordinate that. I mean, could you imagine if it wasn't and food wouldn't be ready to be managed in a different part of the gut, you know, if it, it once you put it in your mouth? And so that entire system is working together. But what people oftentimes don't realize is that system's also working with your mind. At the same time, same time. Yes, of course. Like we said, there's no separation. Right. When there's no separation of something, there's simply no separation. It's happening at the same time. And what fascinated me in my research, and this is now from Western medicine, is that the, you know, the vagus nerve is the main nerve that connects these um, systems. It's not the only nerve, but it's one of the main nerves. And the brain does most of the listening and the gut does most of the talking. So when we look at, mm. you know, kind of who's who's in charge, I suppose you can say, the gut is giving the brain much more feedback than the brain is giving to the gut. And that's why it's so important to connect gut health to brain health. Wow. So what are what are some of the things that we humanoids do uh, to get our gut out of balance? 
Um, well, it's it's pretty much living. In yeah, of the course. Oh, just being on, on the earth plane, right? Just being on the earth. It's right now just being on the earth. Um, you know, and that's it's the sad thing about <laughs> it. But you know, I'm I'm hoping it provides a little bit relief that it's not that people are doing wrong things mm. intentionally. It's just that living on the planet right now isn't really supportive of gut health or mental health. We just kind of slowly built our culture that way. So just the amount of like chronic stress we're under, most of the food that the average American eats is processed foods. And I think most people make an assumption that if a food company puts an additive or a preservative in the food that I'm sure they've tested it for safety. Mm. Um, and you know, that's not the case at all. We have things that are being added to our food that are actually outlawed in other countries because they know that it's damaging both to the gut and the brain. You know, certain food colors, certain food additives are outlawed in other countries because they know they cause like ADHD in children and behavioral problems, other behavioral problems in children. Um, but we still allow them. So it, it's a certain degree of, I suppose, innocence on most people's part that they assume that they're being taken care of and that nothing would be purposely placed into our foods that was harmful. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. Yeah. It's that combination of the stress and the types of foods that we're eating that is creating a dual process. You know, it's creating anxiety, it's creating depression, and it's also creating chronic gut issues, which of course, when you put those together, guess what the natural outcome is, is also obesity. So you see kind of this whole circle, right? That's feeding itself, mm. yeah. It almost feels like a with pain or gut issues, it's a rubber band effect too, where you have some pain or you have an issue and then you, you're concerned about that. And then that's, that's, that concern is in the gut too. And it, and it goes yeah. like, it's just like a loop, right? It is a loop. And that's exactly, and I love that you said that, it is a loop. And that's exactly why I say you've got to cut the loop off on both ends. You got to cut the mental loop off. Mm. And you've also got to cut the gut loop off. It's got to be both sides. And the beauty of this is, you know, because so much of modern day junk food is made to be addictive. I mean, there's an entire science around food addictions um, that is well studied on how to get people addicted to junk food and so be because foods are actually meant to be addictive it's very difficult to suddenly change your choices just through willpower and so when you when you get under the biology of the gut and brain and you start addressing you know brain health and gut health simultaneously your food choices start to change spontaneously because you're really starting to regain biochemical control again mm. Yeah, we've we've talked a lot about carnivore ideas and keto and other fat and things in the last few months because it's kind of interesting. And people are arguing that when we eat foods that are not necessarily best for our constitution or just for humans, mm -hmm. that it creates um, is this try it creates kind of microbiome trying to adapt to the food that you're eating. Absolutely. So to, yeah, explain how that works. What like uh, like somebody who shouldn't be eating as much meat or sugar, you know, what, what goes on? Yeah, well, so you're, you're essentially, and you know, it goes even beyond, Patrick, let's go beyond even like sugar or meat and okay. just say, we're eating artificial products that have never been created before. 
So, you know, we're actually consuming chemicals that the human body has never seen in terms of some of these processed foods. So it goes beyond even just some of the things that, okay, our body has seen before, but we're eating too much. We're actually eating things that the human body has no business even consuming. And so when you start to do that, or if you're eating too much of even something that would be naturally occurring, you know, like too much meat or too much sugar, what happens is that your microbiome has to change to accommodate that. And so it's now no longer the microbiome that maybe has evolved, you know, with you and your family for mm. generations, you know, the the guys who are like, hey, listen, we're in it with you for the long haul. We want you to thrive and we want you to survive because we've been thriving and surviving with your ancestors for how many generations? And we want to make sure that you're the healthiest version of you. Instead you've got to break down this food somehow you know you've got to process it in your gut somehow instead you start introducing a whole new band of folks in there you know a whole new band of microorganisms that are not native to you and they have not co-evolved with you they're not in it for the long run they're just going whoa look at all this stuff down here and they they don't have a symbiotic relationship with you and so they're there to feed themselves at your expense and so they actually create toxic byproducts because again they haven't evolved with you your your body has not has not spent generations being supported by these guys and so they'll create toxic byproducts, but they also send signals to your brain to eat more of this stuff. To oh, uh, to eat more of it. So um, yeah. that's the wanna idea. Want to survive? Yeah. Oh, yo, know, they want to survive. So yeah. So then you get you get a take on I need more of this or that. But yes. But so most of our people here uh, that that has been with our show for fifteen years have have managed to get themselves off of the yuck stuff and the junk foods in the center of the grocery store. They just have, you know, because they've been That's awesome. they've been into it for a long time, you know. Yeah. So, which I suspect is a little bit different than the people that you commonly communicate with through your website and on media. Because you've been on Dr. Oz and all that. And that's a mm -hmm. more mainstream, right, more mainstream audience that do eat a lot of processed food. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I get both, Patrick. Yeah. I actually get a lot of people that are really new to this. And then a lot of people, just like you said, who've been at this for a long time. And when they've been at it for a long time, usually their main complaint is like, look, I've been doing this. I I, 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 I should know, know the so. basics. Yeah, I should know the basics. Yeah. yeah. Like I know the basics, but why like why am I just why do I feel like I'm just treading water? Right. Why do I feel like I'm working so hard? just to get by. And that's when I introduce them to two main concepts. One is this gut brain connection and how you've got to support the brain simultaneously, you know, as you support the gut. And the other, you know, major concept is eating for your dosha. And that's basically personalized eating that e you can even eat healthy food, but mm. the wrong ones for your particular body type, and it can still cause problems. Because we all have different body, and uh, do one of your books really dig into that? If folks want to get it, uh, yeah, the the prime really the goes prime. into that. The prime, yeah, the prime goes into how this toxic overload occurs in our body, how to shift it out, 
And then at the end of the book, it goes into the different doshas and how to eat for your specific body type. So there's certain foods that you would tend to do less of and more of for your particular body type. Yeah, and people are really surprised by things like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that, you know, like garlic was toxic for me. Mm -hmm. I thought garlic was really good for heart health. And right. it's like, well, it is good for heart health in another body type, <laughs> but in your body type, it may end up causing inflammation. And so once you've kind of cleaned up as much as you can, because it's very difficult just with the way that food is being grown now to clean it up completely. But once you've kind of cleaned up the foods that you're eating, so you're eating predominantly a whole food, you know, um, diet, then it's about choosing the specific foods for your body type and then choosing the specific herbs that support the brain gut connection. That's also really important. Wow. And can we, we can learn how to do that for ourselves? Absolutely. Hmm. There's certain key herbs, there's certain key Ayurvedic herbs that I look at as they're kind of just, they've become like a necessity for modern life. You know, we're just, we're living in a way where we need a little more support to get through the day. And, you know, my three favorite ones are ashwagandha, mm. which is an adaptogen, which I think so many people have you now heard take, of. But I that can't. means you can take it every day, excuse me. From, you can yeah, take okay. it every day, yeah. I always believe in taking a break from any supplement you're using just because it tends to make it more potent in the body. So for me personally, I tend not to take my supplements on the weekends, and every few months I'll take like a complete week off. But other mm. than those little breaks, you can take that every day. And another really good one, so ashwagandha helps with stress, and the other really good one is Brahmi. Brahmi. And Brahmi is fantastic for supporting brain health and for helping to curb food addictions and other addictions. And it's really just about hmm. bringing your brain to a greater state of creativity and clarity. But, you know, like I said, that you, you, can't, you can't live kind of at 100% unless you address the brain and the gut. And so there's certain herbs that I give routinely for gut health. Trifla, which is made of three berries, is my absolute favorite. Mm. And it's because it helps to support the gut by nurturing a healthy mucosa and fostering a healthy microbiome in the gut. And then finally, kind of my other like must have in terms of I don't know if you want to call this herb. It's really their spices. They're coming straight from your kitchen. Um, but is a tea that I make Monday through Friday. It's made of cumin seeds, coriander seeds, and fennel seeds. And you can do half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of each. Boil it in about four to five cups of water for five to ten minutes. Remove the seeds, pour it in thermos, and sip it all throughout the day. And that is just, it's a gut boosting tea so wow. you know in in that basic routine and th and this is my basic routine for every day you've got support for the brain you've got support for the gut and, and you're done these these four things you could be pretty general and are um okay with recommending for most folks just yes, that's exactly of, why I give yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, and you're bringing up a really good point, Patrick, in that there's a lot of things in Ayurvedic medicine 
where it's specific for people or you don't do them for long term. And so the things that I recommend to the general public, they're always, you know, formulations that are for general support and can be done by the majority of people um, and can be done long term. Mm-hmm. Is Brahmi Gota Cola? So it's a good question. So there's those are two there's two different herbs huh. that are very very similar um but they're actually two completely separate herbs but they're oftentimes given that the same name. But you can do either one. You can do either one. It, they're they're the same, right? They uh, function very similar. It's funny because as Ayurvedic practitioners will kind of like hanker down on this one's my favorite versus that one but from a pharmacological standpoint they actually function very similar there's a certain amount of repetition in nature um do do you do these with dry herbs or tinctures or does that matter so i actually do a combination sometimes i'll use the dry herbs um but like especially when i'm traveling um, you know, just having them in in capsules is so much more convenient. I created my own brand that is a combination of extracts so that you have a little bit more potency and extracts tend to be a little bit cleaner and they're studied. So you actually have, you know, study results backing up the claims. And I combine those with the whole herb. And so I, you know, my approach to Ayurvedic medicine is east meets west so i'm trying to bring in the things that we're learning in the west the things that have been studied in the west but still combining them with the ancient ways oh cool so so that's on your website health directions and folks can yeah, get these people can then get all these right there that you talked about the tea and everything yes it's just um dr k chaudhry so dr and then k chaudhry.com and everything is there and the tea you can just make yourself the teas really is just as a trip to the grocery store or nowadays it's really just a click on amazon right yeah <laughs> and so you just get the cumin seeds coriander oh, seeds oh you just and make it yourself seeds. you make it yourself yeah you just make it yourself now i put i want people to get into the kitchen you know yeah, i want yeah. them to look at their kitchen as a pharmacy i i put your full name i i thought that's the way it was dr coolridge chandre on huh? uh, com does that work it's just dr and then my initial k and then my last name chaudhry.com oh i put too much on there we don't need all that yeah <laughs> oh, yeah can you hang there a second and we'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back yeah of course. Do you have a question for the good doctor why don't you join us patrick at one radio network.com just send an email we're live here this morning and it is the uh, 18th of january 2023 happy new year to all of you this is a product that comes from uh, farm-raised elk velvet antler and it, it's out of uh, um, New Zealand and they don't give them any drugs or uh, tourniquet and these elk grow these these incredible antlers and then they fall off they're actually it's pretty pretty amazing and it, this is on sale the last day today but check this out maybe something that's that's interesting uh, for you Before I start my work day, I like to get my workout in. It makes me much more effective throughout the rest of the day. Now, one of my favorite supplements to use in conjunction with my training is Sir Thrival's Elk Antler. These are sustainably and humanely harvested from US free range animals. Now, what's interesting about elk 
deer, moose, all these animals we call the cervids. So they're the only mammals who have an organ that actually falls off and regenerates every year. These elk antlers grow out in just a matter of a couple of months. In order to grow like that, they need growth factors, steroidal compounds that cause that rapid growth. Those can actually be harvested, freeze-dried, and put into solution that you can actually utilize in your own body. Now there's been a back and forth history with this being banned for doping in professional athletics. Currently, it is legal, except that it is really rich in IGF-1, which is a banned substance. Now, of course, this is a natural substance. This is not a steroid. But when you look at natural substances, you won't find anything more powerful than elk antler for recovery, for lean muscle growth and maintenance, for metabolic enhancement, and for recovery after injuries and surgery. This is incredible stuff. If you're looking for a natural supplement that boosts your metabolism, helps you grow lean body mass, burns fat, increases libido and energy levels, and helps your body regenerate from your workouts or from injuries or surgeries, take a look at Surthrival's Elk Antler. This is a great product and you can team it up with pine pollen. It's actually pollen they get from uh, Mother Nature and all the animals eat it. And uh, great for strength, uh, libido, and just overall. And both of these are, uh, I'm told by Daniel, are um, things that you can you can take uh, most every day like Dr. Chandri was talking about. Take some time off on the weekends, what we like to do. But the Elk Velvet is on sale last day today, uh, 15% off, use promo code GROWTH. Promo code GROWTH, which we're all trying to do here. Uh, so we don't have to come back and do it again. Uh, growth, <laughs> yeah. can I do this the last time, please? Uh, growth, uh, promo code on oneradionetwork.com for 15%. Previously with cardiologist Dr. Joel Kahn, 35 years experience in cardiology. On your commercial break, you hit a hot button because I'm a giant fan of infrared sauna and the cardiac benefits. Tell us about uh, why you like these saunas for the heart. What does it do? In Japan... It's a traditional therapy of heart disease to even sick heart patients to sit for 15 or 20 minutes in an infrared sauna, then lie down and rest and hydrate for about half an hour. They call it WAON, W-A-O-N. It means soothing heat. And they've done research studies, like 30 of them in humans. Anti-ages your arteries and improves the strength of your heart, and it may actually prolong survival in sick heart patients. Anybody can just, again, go to the Internet read about infrared sauna heart disease, or put my name there because I've written many articles about it. Now there's data coming out of Sweden and Finland because they've published some amazing data that number of times a week you're in a sauna, number of minutes each time, you can just track out how long you're going to live. So very powerful therapy by being in, my favorite is an infrared sauna. Well, I don't know about you, but if the heart muscles and the arteries are happy, things are good. Uh, we're going to talk with a heart surgeon, too, in about an hour and 20 minutes and uh, ask him how um, he, he teaches his patient to keep him off his keep them off his operating table. That's the name of his latest book. If you'd like to get this sauna, uh, just email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. $12.95 delivered, tax title license in the lower 48 we ship them to Canada as well, all over the world. Uh, we ship in, we've shipped them all over the world. Uh, they relax far in for its own. Very incredibly low uh, electromagnetic field, no RFs, and a few magnetic juices. But it's a great uh, unit, and uh, you keep your head out so you don't get your head all hot. And 
Uh, we like it a lot. Just email me and I'll hook you up. About uh, in three months ago, we started this uh, um, this system. It's called X3. And what it is, it's, it's using um, um, bands that are made from latex, non-petroleum latex, and you are um, not, like weights, uh, weights you just, uh, let me, let me, like weights you, they say you're doing um, um, uh, the overhead press with a weight, and these guys get in a gym, and the girls, and they do this, and then they, you know, they do this, and then they, like this, and, and it's very hard on the joints, and it's very difficult to build muscles compared with this process, where it's called variable resistance. So you always have uh, resistance on the muscles. Yeah, that you always do. So say you're doing again an overhead press, I can show you, and then you're standing on a plate and you have a latex bands, and they have about four different kinds of bands depending on how strong you are, so you're not gonna run out. The, the one of the bands is about this thick, you know, I'm gonna be 140 and still won't be able to do that one. Anyway, so what you do is you do this, Right, and so you have you have the pressure on your all the different muscles on an overhead, and then you bring it down here, and you get to the bottom. And there's still there's still tension on all of the muscles in your shoulders. Then you go back up, so you're never taking it off, and it's called variable resistance. And you do this until you can't move any further, maybe 15 to 40 reps, and then you just can't move anymore, and then you're done. And you can do this for 15 minutes a day, four different body sections and uh, grow some muscle and uh, get strong and gals you could do this and to, you know you could do certain parts of your your anatomy like the arms in you know, a lot of ladies sometimes with the, you know the whole thing in your your tummy and you can just kind of trim whatever you want it's really powerful i think you'll enjoy it he's got a book called weightlifting is a waste of time it's called uh and the x3 is on our website on one radio network you can just click an order you can also finance it too which is pretty cool. So it's only about 500 bucks, but you can do it over 12 months, over 12 or six months, you know, whatever you want to do. It's on oneradionetwork.com. It's called the X3. And if I would press the right button, I think this will work. Oh, that'll work. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is one. Radionetwork.com. We are talking with uh, Kulreet Chaudhry, MD. Uh, she's got a lot of different books on sound. Uh, the Prime is a book uh, we're kind of talking about. And you go to her website and look at some of these herbs. Now, you've done a lot of work with um, uh, uh, guys and gals want to lose weight, right? Yes, but it came about accidentally. Oh, did it? <laughs> okay, tell us. Yes. So what I had done, and this was the whole basis for writing The Prime, was I had worked with neurological patients, you know, for decades. Um, and I was working on how do I repair the nervous system? You know, how do I help these people get off their eight to 10 medications wow. and help them with symptoms that are oftentimes associated with conditions like MS, such as insomnia, constipation, anxiety, depression, pain, you know, at most, like, how do I reduce their medication list to just their one medication for multiple sclerosis? And so I had been working on a program for brain rehabil rehabilitation. 
And the side effect of that program, because it, it was a program for healing both gut and brain simultaneously. And so the natural side effect of that program was weight loss. And so I didn't intend to create a weight loss program, but my neurological patients kept coming back and just saying, oh, by the way, you know, I lost like 20 to 30 pounds without even trying and I'm in my jeans from college again. And I heard it enough that I finally started to take notice of it and said, hold on, I know why this is working for their brain health, but why is it working so well for weight loss? And so the that's essentially how the prime got written and the prime is a book again that folks can uh, as a basic one to use to find their 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 doshas and and figure out the herbs to use and all that right that's the yes book. and so it's it's a program in in the book that outlines the the steps that i gave to my patients it's a four-step program for removing the toxic buildup for reversing food addictions, you know, for igniting the digestive fire, and for instilling the behaviors that help you to spontaneously change the way that you eat. And as I said, it was my neural rehabilitation program, um, but it worked so well for weight loss that pretty soon I had people doing it only for weight loss. Um, but then the, the byproducts of using it for weight loss is that your brain is clearer and your gut is stronger. So no matter what angle you come at it from, you're still going to get, mm. you know, the other benefit. And so then I created my own set of herbs to help to support people as they do that program. So I all see. of the herbs that are mentioned in the prime, I, I've created a perfect combination. So it incorporates, you know, the science that we know from the West with the ancient traditions of the East. There's a big uh, movement afoot, more so uh, than I've ever seen with this whole low-carb Thing, right keto mm -hmm. carnivore more meat more animal low carbs uh, and people lose a lot of weight doing that they do they do now in Ayurveda you all you all we say that in Texas you all you all y'all uh, you all do um, uh, you know rice and and uh, mung dao and uh, you know the uh, uh -huh. legumes and all of that can can you still eat those and lose weight yeah, so what, one thing people don't realize about Ayurvedic medicine is it isn't necessarily completely vegetarian. Um, meat is used as medicine in Ayurveda. As medicine, and so, really? Yeah, it's not used necessarily as a primary food. It's used as medicine. And in the traditional Ayurvedic diet, um, it's not actually a lot of rice. It's mostly vegetables. So what you're getting is a highly, highly nutrient-dense diet, mainly vegetables, and then supported by grains based on what your needs are and supported by meat, again, based on what your needs are. Um, but for most people, as they enter into a state of balance, they just don't need the meat as much. So it's really just dependent on kind of where are you at how strong is your body? How grounded are you? And once you get into that state, you're just not requiring an enormous amount of food. And the food that you are getting is extremely, extremely nutrient dense. And so, you know, when you look at doing these low carb diets, I understand why they work, but it's because we're such a high carb nation. Right. Um, well, for pretty much everybody, we've eaten a lot of carbs our whole life, right? 
Yeah. And so we've kind of swung to the opposite end. And so then it's just kind of the pendulum swinging to the other end. But from an Ayurvedic standpoint, there are some consequences to eating a lot of meat if it's not right for your body type. It can cause other issues. So you may be thinner, but then you have other issues that are also coming up. And so there is a middle point somewhere in there, which is predominantly eating lots of, you know, vegetables. I mean, when I'm eating a traditional Ayurvedic meal, um, two thirds of my plate is vegetables. Cooked vegetables, right? Cooked, cooked. Cooked vegetables. And I'm not eating a tremendously large amount because I don't need to. I'm getting all of the nutrients that I need because my body isn't in a state of chronic inflammation. Mm. You know, it isn't in a state where it's, trying to move all of these toxins. And so as you get into a more and more balanced state, you're actually eating less and less. And we tend to undervalue the benefits of just reducing caloric intake. And, you know, we talk so much about intermittent fasting, that is just a basic Ayurvedic concept for how to eat. Really? You don't eat after the sun sets. You know, you you naturally have 12 to 15 hours from the time that the sun sets to the, your next meal. Um, and your overall consumption, especially once you get past the age of, of 40, um, you know, most people, it's recommended that they only have two meals a day. So there are other ways to get there. Um, once your body gets into greater balance, it naturally starts to crave less food and you don't need so much meat to balance it anymore. And of course, we get a lot of mojo from God and the sun and spirit and you know, exactly. standing on the ground. And, get and see, of- this is exactly what I was referring to, yeah. is that meat can benefit the body when you're in a depleted state. And again, we use it as medicine, but then there is a point where you're no longer in a depleted state or you're no longer lacking grounding that the meat, because it's so heavy, it can actually close off other channels. And like you said, hmm. it can close off channels for other mojo, you know, for other energy sources. And... Ayurveda is really about the full evolution, the full development of the human being. So it's not just about physical health. It's like, okay, now the body is strong enough. Now what are we doing with the mind? Now how are we connecting more to, you know, this energy that permeates all of life? And so it just depends on what your goals are. If you're looking for the full development, a high meat diet isn't going to get you there, but a high carb diet isn't going to get you either. You know, it's it's about finding that balance where you're eating nuts, seeds, you know, lots of vegetables, um, some fruit. It's not even eating lot, large amounts of fruit, just a little bit of fruit. Um, and then the grains and the meat are just there to support you if it's needed. Oh, you mean, so if you really... Uh working on all 12 cylinders, you wouldn't even need any in the rice or the mung dollar. Exactly, the, that's really? what I'm trying to say. Yeah, when we describe life from living on maybe two or three cylinders, it looks really different. Um, but the goal of Ayurveda is to open up cylinders that you didn't even know, like turn them on. And as you get more and more and more of those turned on, um, your needs change dramatically. You know, it's kind of like, you know, being like a 15-year-old, like, beat-up, you know, truck, and then suddenly you turn into, like, you know, I don't know enough about cars, but I'm thinking like Ferrari, like, you know, something that's really fast and really, really well-built. Well, the needs, the fuel needs for those two cars is really different. So the human body is the same way. As you start to open up 
new channels in your body and allow energy to come in, food isn't even the primary way in which you would receive energy. And so your food needs go down and what you're eating dramatically changes. And it's more of those truly energy dense foods, like I mentioned, you know, seeds, nuts, um, you know, fresh produce, that your body can get everything it needs from way less food, way less processed food. Um, and it doesn't rely on those heavy things like meat to build up the physical body because it's getting supported in other ways. Mm. So in general, is meat uh, more grounding? It's very grounding, and that's not that it's a bad thing. No, sometimes we um, need you know, to be more grounded, right? Exactly, and so when your body is depleted, and there's even Ayurvedic treatments, you know, we were talking before about um, Ayurvedic hospitals where you go in and you check in, you get um, treated. There's even Ayurvedic treater, treatments where we use meat in the treatment, and it's mm -hmm. being applied to you or it's being used as an enema because the body is depleted. All right, so but now your body is healthy and it's strong, you're no longer depleted. Do you want to stay at just three cylinders? Because the meat will keep you so grounded, it'll keep you kind of so, you know, um, grounded in just the physical that you won't be able to access and open up some of these other channels. So Ayurveda is, it's a process for human evolution, you know, to whatever state you want it to be. But we tend to measure these outcomes and when we come up with these recommendations, we're usually looking at how to create three-cylinder human beings, not 12-cylinder <laughs> human beings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very, very interesting. Here's an uh, email for you. If you have a question for the good doctor, I do it. Uh, does your guest think a plant-based diet is healthier for the gut biome? So it's just like what we were saying. Mm -hmm. Overall, yes, as you get to uh, a healthier physical body where you don't need the grounding energy from me and you don't need, you know, we call it extra life force or the extra prana from me, your body sort of naturally starts to choose a plant-based diet because it's easier to digest it's more efficient, it spends less time in your gut. And so you're taking less time to digest it. And also from an informational standpoint, and people often don't think of their food as holding information. But me, you know, what we're finding is that our memories, our intelligence, they're actually held in every single cell of our body. And so with meat, you're holding all of the information, all of the memories, emotional and otherwise, because animals do experience emotions, they are intelligent. All of those memories are being held in every single cell of the body. And so when you digest meat, you've got to consume and digest all of that information. Now, if you're in a place where your body needs that support, you go, hey, that's okay. I'm willing to I put the with, effort. I, deal with I can deal with it because I'm so depleted. But as your body gets stronger and as, as I said, these, these other channels start to open up, you eat the meat and you just feel like, oh, God, this was a lot of work. Like, it was just work to digest this. Like, I don't want to have to work this hard to digest my food. Whereas plants, they still carry information, but the information is kind of lighter. So it just depends, really, like what, what stage of life. And, yeah, what you want and, and what, and what you, stage of life you're at. You know, you if you're... Hmm. 
And if you're looking for opening up these other channels, if that's significant to you, then you'll naturally notice that like your meditation changes, you know, when you eat meat. And again, this does not mean that I'm against meat. For myself, I was predominantly vegetarian. And then as my body changed, you know, as I got older and as my hormones were changing, there was a period of time where I realized, I need to eat fish like once a week. If I do not eat fish once a week, my body was missing something. Huh. But then eventually, as my body restabilized, and this is something that so many women go through, you know, through hormonal changes, all of a sudden your body's not the way it was. But then as my body stabilized, I was able to then start to go back to my normal eating. So it's really about understanding your body's need and also mapping out like, what are your goals? Right. You know, what, yeah. What do you want to are, do? Are you what do you yeah, wanna, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? You know? Yeah, because if you're going, hey, I like it when my body is strong and I don't really need to have any of these other experiences. And, you know, I'm all about like living in the world and just kind of like doing the most I can, you know, in, in the world without really tapping into some of these other channels, then that's perfectly fine. You've got to first figure out what are your goals and you know and then proceed with the plan yeah as you probably know there are there are a wide variety of people out there especially the more keto carnivore types that we've talked to a lot of them uh they they continue to argue that these vegetables are indigestible because they have cellulose and the fiber and uh, you can't digest cellulose or fiber it can't be the case if you all have been eating vegetables forever. yeah no so part of so you know you can make the same claim actually for meat is very difficult to digest it's just hard to break down it's meant to be hard to break down that's why it's so grounding <laughs> because it's so hard to break down and so you can look even like in the colon like how long does it take for the meat you know fibers to be completely removed versus vegetables but there's parts of your the vegetables that aren't supposed to be fully broken down they actually serve as kind of the environment for your microbiome for certain bacteria to grow and so the point isn't to break them down fully they become kind of part of the network which these bacteria use to grow mm. and then of course you eliminate them that's you know why you have a bowel movement you you help to move them out but they move out much much faster but the other point of this is oftentimes the way that people cook their vegetables. They don't cook them properly and they don't add, you know, spices to digest them. And I would say the same thing for meat. Make sure you're cooking your meat correctly. Add, you know, digestive spices. But that's the whole reason why I recommend, you know, herbs like ashwagandha and drinking the CCF tea, the cumin, coriander and fennel tea, which is what I call I call it the prime tea in my book. Because these are the things that help to keep your digestion strong. And when your digestion is strong, you're breaking down what you're supposed to, and you're helping to nourish the right environment in your gut for your microbiome. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, Dr. Kulreet Chandri, MD. And now you'll just go Dr. K. Chandri.com. Is that right, Dr. Yes, okay. Dr. K. Chandri. I think I have the whole thing written out, but, but you don't need to do that. Uh, this is from Sharon. So what does your guest think about in general yogurt and butter and ghee and uh, raw dairy and things like that? That's pretty pro so, that's pretty strong 
uh, energy for Ayurveda? Absolutely. And so it's highly, highly recommended in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, ghee is kind of the number one go-to yeah. oil for cooking. It's phenomenal. It balances all the three doshas. Um, when used in moderation, it actually helps to reduce cholesterol. Hmm. Um, it's extremely grounding without making you heavy. Um, and yogurt, so yogurt, it's one of those, it depends answers. It depends on the strength of your digestion. Yogurt is something that is heavy. And so the stronger your digestion, the more you're able to take it. So we typically recommend having yogurt at lunchtime because that's when your digestion is the strongest. And for people who don't have a strong digestion but still want to get the benefits of yogurt, because yogurt has lots of benefits, you just simply turn it into a drink called lassi. And that's just taking a couple of te you know, teaspoons or a tablespoon of yogurt, adding it to some um, room temperature or warm water, adding a few spices, like maybe some powdered ginger, a little bit of cumin powder, a little bit of turmeric powder, you know, a little bit of salt and pepper, mixing that all together, just whisking it, and you can drink that with lunch. So dairy, and it's particularly raw dairy, is highly, highly nutrient rich. Mm. Um, but one thing is even for raw dairy, in Ayurvedic medicine, we always recommend boiling it, but the reason is different. The reason that we recommend boiling it is simply because dairy is inherently very cooling, cooling. and you don't want that heavy, cold energy in your gut. So we typically just boil it, maybe add like a little bit of turmeric or a little bit of black pepper to it that helps to digest it. But dairy is so nutrient rich that as you get older in Ayurvedic medicine, they even recommend that that can eventually be your dinner. And that's not something that you should force your body wow. into. Oh. But you know, Patrick, I've been noticing like I'm approaching 50 now. And I've noticed just as I've gotten older, and I, you know, I tend to be pretty active. Um, I exercise every single day, and I do martial arts. And so, mm. you know, I'm a pretty active person. But even with all of that activity, I'm noticing how my appetite is just slowly getting smaller and smaller. I need less and less and less. And there's many evenings where I just reach for a cup of warmed raw milk. Um, you know, I heat it up, I make it exactly as as I mentioned, and I'm completely satiated. And done. that's, yeah. I'm I, just done. I, 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 mean, I feel I, the I really, same way, you know. And I, I can just, feel like yeah. just the energy kind of coming in. That's all you need. And that's exactly what they describe is that in Ayurveda that, you know, your, your body will naturally go through these transitions, like going more towards like, you know, the nuts and seeds. And I eat a lot of nuts and seeds. That's actually pretty much my, my breakfast is just nuts and seeds. And then my lunch is very large, but the evenings, it's really just kind of like, Hey, a cup of, a cup of warm milk is doing it. And that's not from being inactive. Yeah. So, but when we, if we, you're talking about taking like raw goat's milk uh, or raw cow's milk, and mm -hmm. taking it to 160 or so, but then aren't we aren't we kind of diluting all the enzymes? But it's okay. It's okay because you're you're making it more digestible for your body. And don't underestimate hmm. when your gut is healthy. You you know we are a living enzyme sore. That <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean the golden Ayurveda is really activating our own digestive resources in our body and making food digestible not not relying on the food to do the digesting relying on 
the gut and supporting the gut. And how do you support the gut? You've got to support the mind. And that's why I recommend, you know, herbs like ashwagandha and brahmi and doing things like meditation on a daily basis that you support the mind, but then you support the gut by doing the prime tea, by taking trifla. And when you do this, you will have a healthy gut. And so then mm. you just start looking for foods that are digestible for your unique body type. And Patrick, I want to throw in there also for your age, because it really does change. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I mean, the amount of food that I could shovel into my body, it was kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, I look back and I'm like, like, how on oh. earth? Yeah. 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 And now, you know, coming up on, on 50, it's completely different, but I'm just listening to my body. And the whole point is to get to a point where your gut and brain are online. They're talking to each other and they're talking to you. Hmm. Yeah, it really is fascinating. Uh, you know, from the yogic, you know, more meditative, spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. um, there's always been, often been a thing about as you become more in touch with divine spirit or God, whatever you want to call it, through contemplation and meditation, yeah. that, you eat less. that you eat less and then you also yeah, stay away from more of the aminals because of the energy you talked it about. It just simply happens naturally. Doesn't. And it's because you can look at it as kind of the light. And again, this is not a recommendation if this isn't important to you. Sure. That's absolutely okay. Yeah. But if you're looking kind of for that 12-cylinder experience in life, um, your body will naturally start to become lighter and lighter. And when I say that, I mean the quality of it, you know, um, the nature of the body, like you'll naturally start to wake up earlier. Um, your mind naturally starts to, you know, function with more clarity. As that happens, there are certain foods that you'll just notice are slowing you down. Hmm. And and you that's what I mean it. by, you, feel you can feel it. Yeah. yeah, you can absolutely feel it. And that's what I mean by, you know, meat has a place in your diet at a particular time, especially if you're trying to get grounded or if your body is depleted. Absolutely, meat can be used as medicine. But when you go beyond just those basic physical needs and you really are starting to open those other channels, you will just notice that when you eat certain foods, you will feel heavier. Mm. And, you know, even being aware of that, I don't get overly worked up. You know, I've got a teenage son. And so when he wants to do pizza night on the weekend, you know, I don't freak out and go, oh, no, 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 no. I will be shutting down five cylinders just with this pizza. You know, I'm a mom and, you know, I came here to have a human experience and bonding to my son is really important. And so I'll have the pizza. Do I feel great the next day? No, I don't feel great. But I also, you know, I, I, I'm on an herbal regimen. You know, so, some of the ones that I recommended, the ashwagandha, the brahmi, and the trifla so i can rebound pretty quickly but if i was doing that on a regular basis oh, i'd feel absolutely awful mm. so the point isn't to be so rigid that you're no longer accessible you know to your family and friends and you no longer feel like a part of the global community but it's just to have that flexibility so you're not doing it all the time and you have ways to support your body even though you're living in the modern world to bounce back from it yeah. Uh, Dr. Kulreet Chandra is with us, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. About uh, six, seven months ago, I start, I really got into the whole carnivore thing. I started eating lots of meat and butter and eggs. I wanted to ask you about eggs. And actually, 
I was able to get more work done at night if I didn't eat carbs, you know, and I wonder what was going on with that. In other words, if I would have rice and vegetables about an hour or two later, I was just, I was worthless, you know, I couldn't, I'm a writer working on screenplay, I just couldn't do it, but if I just had meat, man, I was just good to go. My blood sugar was like, what is that, what is that telling me? What is it from? It's just saying that you're not totally digest. I mean, it's just based on digestion. It just means you're not totally digesting. Yeah. And, you know, I tend to eat the least amount of carbs at night. I tend to eat the least amount of food at night. At night. You may be just overall, you know, there's only, at least what I found is when I was, you know, having meat, like there's only so much meat you can have. Like if you were looking at just the overall amount you were eating, you were probably also eating less. Um, and so just eating less at night, eating fewer carbs, um, it does make it, you know, much easier. You you will feel much lighter. But then the opposite can kind of also be, be true that, you know, for some people, they need to feel grounded at night just to be able to fall asleep. And so it just depends really kind of like on what your individual mm-hmm. needs are. And, you know, as I said before, what are you trying to accomplish? But a general rule I tell everybody is eat as little as possible at night, especially after the sun sets, um, you know, really watch what you're eating and try to eat nothing. And for me, Patrick, the hard thing is, you know, we go to our local temple and whenever there's like a big event. I always um, have a dinner. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's, and it's you know, good we, too. Our, it's good food. Right? The, the priest's wife is this unbelievable cook. It's so, it's such good food, but it's also made with so much love. Mm. And so then she comes to me with this giant radiant smile on her face and you know she's just offering this like from her heart and you know i normally wake up at, at 4 a.m um you know with that alarm it's just the time that i wake up and i know like the second i'm gonna eat this and this is like close to 8 or 9 p.m which i never eat that late and it's this heavy 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 food it's all rice it's yogurt which i never eat you know yogurt at night and i know i am going to struggle waking up the next day but you know, it's like once in a while, part of your human mm. connection, part of just saying, hey, thank you. Thank you so much for caring for this community and thank you for taking care of all of us. Mm. And so I'll have the meal, but I know what the repercussions are going to be. So right. my general recommendation is just not after sunset and just eat fewer carbs at night. I think it's said over the years that that Gandhi, I think he just did goat's milk or something like that. I wonder, could you just, yeah. wouldn't that be fun if that's all you had to have is, is milk? I wonder if you could well, do and that. That's kind of what naturally, that's what I was saying, right. Patrick, is, is again, it depends on your, your body, but what you're gonna do? if your goal is to open up all of those 12 cylinders, and thank you so much for giving me that metaphor, um, if that is your goal, eventually you will get more and more energy from other sources outside of food and food becomes less and less important. And the beautiful thing about that is there's just not all of this juggling, right? You're not just kind of going, what do I eat? What do I have today? Yeah, and so if that is a goal, you'll notice your body going through these transitions. I've certainly noticed my body going through these these transitions and I'm assuming that it's gonna go through more in the next, you know, several um, decades. But over time, you will naturally eat less and less if you are pulling more and more energy from, you know, you can call them cosmic sources. Sure. Um, and the flip side of that is as your body's depending less and less on food, it's also expending less energy on digestion. 
And so you actually sleep less, you have more energy, you have more mental clarity, and this connection between the gut and the brain becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, but that might not be everybody's goal, yeah. and that's okay. And you could be married you know? with a family and, and or whatever, and that's not going to work, maybe, you know, to try to do yeah. that on your own and be separate from, from everybody Absolutely. in your family. Yeah. And it's, it's something my husband and I often talk about that, you know, there's certain there's certain goals we have in life that we know we're we're not going to accomplish until our son is completely independent. Because until then, you know, we're parents and we we are socializing with him through meals and through other experiences. And once he's independent, we can kind of become more dedicated to that yogic path. And we're totally okay with that because being a parent and having a child that feels safe and secure and valued is also its own yoga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, right. this is this is kind of fun from Denise. Uh, I like to drink raw milk, as Patrick has talked about. What are particular spices that help to digest it? And I'm going to try boiling it, like your guest is saying. Yeah, so that's interesting. Go ahead and boil it. Right. Yeah, you, you just you don't have to do it, it for a long time. One sixty. No, you don't have to do it. You just you. It's not to try to kill off the milk no. or anything else. It's just simply to make the milk more digestible because wow. milk is naturally heavy. It's naturally very cold. Um, it's very nutrient dense, and so when you heat it up, it just makes it more digestible. But you know, I this is what there's several milk drinks I I I use. But you know, these are some of the spices you can add, and you can just decide what tastes best to you. Um, but a little bit of black pepper, and mm. I like just getting the whole peppercorn and crushing it Ooh. and putting like two or three pieces. It just gives it that really wonderful, like um, pungent taste. Um, I like putting a little bit of nutmeg, like just freshly ground nutmeg mm -hmm. and a little bit of cinnamon powder. These are all heating spices, by okay. the way. And you can also add either a little bit of ginger powder or a little bit of fresh ginger. I really like doing the fresh ginger. I think it tastes better. And a couple of other things I like to add, and you know, this is this definitely it certainly helps with digestion, but it just makes the whole thing kind of pop. Um, is a few strands of saffron. Ooh, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, and it makes it very very calming for the mind. And in the summertime, I like adding a couple of rosebuds into it. And the rose is very, very calming for the mind and kind of helps to cool the mind down during summer. So I kind of approach my milk like you would a meal because, you know, sometimes it is my it is, meal. It is the meal. Well, isn't yeah. cardamom been used for that too, for the milk? Yes, cardamom is another one that I can, I'll sometimes add in there, absolutely. So I would say, you know, play around with it. But all of the things that I mentioned, except for the rosebud, they're all heating digestive herbs that help you to break your milk down. And then your milk goes from just being like a cup of milk to something pretty extraordinary. I mean, it, yeah. it, it tastes wonderful, but also feels wonderful when you take it. You know, Dr. Chandri, the more I look at this and talk to people and experiment, um, our state of consciousness, you know, who we are, what we believe and what we expect, you know, our state of consciousness affects everything, right? Yes. Everything. And so everything. You, I can really see how there are folks out there, and I've interviewed them and they're great, that, you know, just say that, well, just, just eat meat and you'll be fine and meat and salt and butter and fat. And they are, and they do great and they look great. 
But it's just because that's their state of consciousness. That's this is, their state of consciousness. This is what they're doing. Patrick, this is what they're doing. You have hit the nail on the head. I do rarely for is, me. <laughs> no, you you totally got it. You totally got it. Our state of consciousness directs all of our choices and what's correct for us. And we're all at different places, yeah. and that's absolutely okay. And the, what I love about Ayurveda is it's that flexible. It meets everybody where they're at. And that's why there's not one diet for everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. It really depends on your state of consciousness and what you're trying to accomplish. And so, and it doesn't mean like one is bad or if you're feeling good eating meat that you're somehow bad. It's just different stages. Yeah. And yeah. we go through different stages, even just in a lifetime, we go through different stages. So at different points, different things will be appropriate for us. And so as we kind of shift from one state of conscious to the, the next, things that we were doing before may suddenly become uncomfortable. Usually it's a gradual change. That's what I've kind of found. I remember, I think it was 20 years ago, I remember hearing somebody say that eventually mostly what you'll be eating are nuts, um, seeds, berries and milk and i just remember thinking <laughs> that's pretty that fun. sounds awful <laughs> yeah. like that just sounds absolutely awful like why would you even aim for that and now 20 years later i was just looking at the majority of my diet and it's that it's that and it's you know vegetables and i'm incorporating more milk and i was like oh when did that happen and it just kind of slowly happened and what I really try to teach people is how to create a connection between the brain and gut so you're just making the appropriate choices for your state of consciousness and just allowing for the evolution to happen spontaneously and comfortably. Mm. Oh, well, well said. So uh, ideas on seeds and nuts. What seeds do you eat? Uh, nuts, do you soak nuts like almonds? Or? Yes, so I soak um, Brazil nuts, mm -hmm. walnuts, and almonds overnight, and I usually do 10 almonds, wow. and then a handful of walnuts, and then three Brazil nuts, and that's just kind of what I have figured out to be what my body needs. Um, and you soak them overnight because food, a lot of food, or a lot of really healthy food has anti-nutrients. And the way that you um, neutralize them is usually just by soaking them in warm water overnight. It's that simple. And then for for my age and as a woman, um, I use seeds to help balance my hormones naturally. Hmm. And so what is the right amount for me is one teaspoon of ground chia seeds and one teaspoon of ground sesame seeds. And that's keeping my body in perfect hormonal balance right now. And that may change. Maybe in the future I need more, maybe in the future I need less. And that's why it's really important to figure out what your needs are. Um, and I soak those in hot water overnight. And so in the morning, um, I don't usually have breakfast until 9 or 10 a.m., usually around 9 a.m. And that is my breakfast is I'll just have those nuts and I'll have those um, chia seeds. Um, and it's just, it's the perfect combination to get my body started. The reason I wait until nine is because I, I fast. I fast from sunset to about 9 a.m. And that gives my body about 15 hours of a break. You know, unless we're having a temple event and then, and then I've got all this heavy rice in my belly. But that usually gives my body, you know, a 15 hour break so that it doesn't have any food and it can just process everything. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Um, 
uh, sugar in general, mm-hmm. uh, Ayurvedas, they've never really been against anything, pretty much trying to figure out, right? Yeah. Right. It's it's just kind of balance and it's figuring out your dosha. Like if if somebody has a kapha dosha, which tends to be a, a heavier build, um, sugar, a lot of sugar is not going to work. Um, you know, for vata, they actually need sugar on a daily basis mm. to stay balanced and to stay grounded. But what they do recommend, in addition to eating for your dosha, is just to be using natural sources of sugar. So when we talk about sugar, we're never talking about the white processed sugar. You know, it's things like jaggery, which is really a mineral rich, very complex taste um, and is used in many Ayurvedic herbs as part of the medicine. You know, it's actually used as a medicine. So it's just understanding what is your dosha, how much can you tolerate? And then how do you get it in natural forms? And, and that doesn't mean that, you know, like once a week, my husband and I will go on, you know, date night. We're not going to the restaurant and asking them, so What's- are you using jaggery, you know, <laughs> in your lemon meringue? Um, you know, that is what it is. And we're just enjoying it. And we're enjoying each other's company. And we're enjoying the ambience. And we're having fun. But on a regular basis, are we eating that? Absolutely not. And again, even for fruits, it's you don't necessarily want to even be eating fruits daily uh, if you have a kapha dosha. You have to know your body build and then feed it accordingly. Yeah. We put a great thing on Facebook or something like the couple was at a restaurant. And they said, oh, I'm gluten free, uh, dairy free, and uh, I'm this and I'm that. And and, uh, and and they and they said, well, what do you recommend? And the waitress said, a taxi is what. Yeah. <laughs> and we're really firm believers. Like, if you're going to go out and just to enjoy a meal, like fully enjoy it, like throw out every program you have around food and just be present. Be present for your for the people you're with and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but don't eat like that on a regular basis. Yeah. But in the moments that you're going to enjoy, just fully enjoy it. Because if you're telling yourself you're eating something that's wrong or you're eating something that's going to make it's you sick, anyway, it absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah, it's over. It's over before the first bite goes into your mouth. Right. I used to do that a lot, Patrick. Oh, I know. We all did that, that, right? We all did that. Yeah. It's, like, it's, you're all, it's over. You might as well not eat. Don't do it. Don't, yeah. Don't do yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Before we go here, the Ayurvedic talked about uh, this stomach, uh, uh, Agni, right? A-G-N-I, which mm-hmm. is, and they actually, it's a god of Agni, right? It's, it's just like a, almost like a god, right? Talk about Agni. Yeah, it, it's, it's a just, really good point. It yeah. is, it's a part, and in Ayurveda, we see that, that everything that exists outside, everything that exists in the cosmos has a place for it within us, that we are divine beings. We are made up of a network of divinity, divine energy. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I want to mention something on the meat too. I really found and with playing with meat that you can get by on a whole lot less than, you know, sometimes you just do a little piece of it, like two or three ounces. Exactly. And it's like, and you're done. That- and you're done. Because see, when you're using it that way, Patrick, you're mm. using it as a medicine. As, as medicine. Yeah. And we were talking before about helping to ground Vata. And that's one of the ways that Vata does get grounded is to by eating meat because it's very very heavy and so when you're when you're using it to balance something in your body it's 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 fine it's just knowing when are you using it as medicine and when has it become an unhealthy habit yeah about that. so we're going to get your book prime right and we can get that on your website and then and then also uh on the 
health direct is it health directions you got the healthy directions healthy yeah it's dir- the directions. it's the company that i'm building all of my ayurvedic cool. uh, supplements with and prime you can just find on on amazon or you know on on any website that sells books and even low uh, low uh, low low intelligent uh, no i'm just kidding but even italian scorpios like myself i can figure out my dosha just re- <laughs> reading the book right yeah Absolutely, absolutely. Because it should be recognizable, right? Like this, it, it, it's your dosha is you, so it should be recognizable. You should be able to look at it and be like, "Yeah, I can, I can recognize my tendencies there." Yeah. Well, have fun in India. If we don't talk, you're going to go. Thank this, you. Can can folks go there with you, or do you have still have room? How does that work? So right now, I've only invited the patients that I've been working with, you know, in in the past, I wanted to give them the first opportunity to come with me. Um, But then in the future, I'll be posting on my social media on Facebook, which is just, you know, Dr. Kulreet Chaudhary announcements, and I'll be um, posting on my regular website. And that's the longer one, the drkulreetchaudhary.com. Um, when the next group is going to be invited to come. So if you want to learn more, just kind of follow me on social media and I'll be posting um, about these trips in the future. So there's there's actually more, there could be more space for this trip for people, right? This trip is, is filled because I really wanted to extend it to people who had been working with me. Right. But starting next year, I'm opening it to the general public. And then what city are you going to mainly in in India? We're going to a small rural community outside of Valore in Tamil Nadu, and it's the heart, it's one of the central places for Siddha medicine. Um, so it's going to be a real, it's a deep dive inward, but it's a journey kind of both into the past, but then also into the future, because I think the future of medicine really is going to be using some of these philosophies around quantum biology for healing. Quantum, which is, you're talking about divine spirit soul mind body yes when when you get kind of beyond just the framework of the gross you know when you start using vibrational medicine to shift the body that's quantum biology and that's that's the heart Hmm. of this type of medical system in Hmm. india well thanks so much for coming on it's always a pleasure and this is our second time thank you thank you so much love you and our best your family and uh, have fun in india and don't drink the water just kidding See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Don't drink the water. <laughs> now we say when you go to Mexico, right? Don't drink the water. First thing we do, and then you get Montezuma's revenge, and then God knows what happened. Okay, we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to talk about your heart with a cardiac surgeon. He's got a book outside, Stay Off My Operating Table, Baby. And uh, we're going to do that in, in 25 minutes. So uh, thanks for being here. May the blessings be. I will see you in 25 minutes or so on one radionetwork.com. Take care. May the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.